Scott and Liam versus Evil. So apparently, middle class mothers in the UK and kind of Europe are now doing this thing called breeing, rather than like, see, like going for lunch or brunch or having dinner parties. Uh-huh. It's this new thing. Do you want to know what it is? Breeing, is it anything to do with cheese? It is to do with cheese. Oh, right, I'm interested. Is they're basically getting big bags of MDMA and they're putting them inside the cheese and then they feed the cheese about and then the oil them get right out their tits on MDMA. Wow. And, and that's is, a genuine thing. This is what they do when the children are there or when the children are not there? When the children are not there. Ah. So it's as if, like, like see, in the 70s, you used to just bring your pals around and just fuck each other. Uh-huh. And then, like, the kind of 80s, you went for, like, high tea. 90s, maybe high tea was still a thing then. Well, now it's MDMA and cheese. Hmm. Apparently, the fad is particularly popular with women, many of whom favour using brie as a vehicle for drug-taking. Although some others have used the likes of hosting duck pancakes to mask the illegal substance. So it's not just cheese. You can you can just use regular Chinese takeaway. Which... So basically, you're just taking drugs, just sticking them in yeah. But it's probably a bit classier if you just bring all your middle-aged female friends over and give them cheese. Now, are you telling? They get after tits. Are you telling your middle-aged female friends that you're giving them MDMA, or is it a secret surprise for them? No, I think I think they'll know. Surely, if it was a secret surprise, they probably wouldn't be talking about it in the newspaper. Well, because true. It would actually it actually be date raping. Oh well, maybe not date raping because they're not fucking, but fun raping. Aye, raping the fun out of them. Forcing them to have fun. I thought you said mum raping. No, no, fun raping. Yeah. Well, that, forcing them to have fun. <laughs> Apparently, some mum who is 42 and works in London said the last time that all the mums came over for a civilised dinner party, it ended with one of them wrapped up in the velvet curtains, one hallucinating at the bathroom wall, and the other dancing to 90s rave music while playing bongos in the sitting room. Which sounds like... Yeah, sounds quite fun. Yeah, if I was a 45-year-old mother, it's kind of what I want to spend my time doing. I actually um, read a thing today about microdosing. You heard of this? No. And basically, that it was a it was a report or like a, a an article someone had written after they'd done this test on the, for themselves. And basically, for thirty days, every second day, they gave themselves ten milligrams of LSD. It's a really small dose, but over like a consistent period of time. And apparently, it doesn't fully fuck with your mind to give you a mind trip. But people do it to either bring them up out of depression or to like open the floodgates of creativity if they're, if they're on like an even balance at the start open the floodgates of creativity without giving them a full on mental trip I thought nah, maybe I should try that but do you think that would work or do you think it would quite quickly send you into needing more and then just being like I don't know loving the rest of your life thinking you're a glass of orange juice I don't know because I think I can quit things quite easily so I would maybe microdose myself, try and finish my book or my screenplay, and then if it worked and I became a success, then I would just keep taking it. And if it didn't work and I didn't finish the book or it was a crap book, then I would stop taking it. So basically what I'm asking, <laughs> okay, I'm a... basically what I'm asking you is, can you get me LSD? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. Right, I'll try my hardest. Cool. <laughs> uh, welcome to Scott and Liam versus Evil, episode 67. I'm Liam. And I'm Scott. And today, it's Scott's pick. It is my pick. And... I thought it was a fantastic pick on retrospect. On watching the movie last night, I thought, is this a good movie? <laughs> is this an episode-worthy <laughs> movie? I got five pages of notes out of it, though, which is more than I've wrote for a long time, so maybe we do have something to talk about. Imagine how many pages of notes you would have if you were microdosing 
on LSD before it. See, this is this is one other reason why. Imagine the many people would be listening <laughs> as if we we're on LSD when we're recording this shit. Honestly, that I think it'd be one episode and then we both get jailed. <laughs> <laughs> and that that bit. Uh, so go on. What movie is it? This movie is Triangle. Triangle, 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 Although for ages I thought it was Patsy Kenzie and I was like, I don't understand the, the <laughs> reference because the, the only Patsy I knew was Patsy Kenzie. Yeah, no, I didn't understand it either. But Patsy Kenzie. Eh? Eh? So Triangle is from 2009. It's directed by Christopher Smith. Yep. Uh, a very good friend of mine and Scott's. Yeah, we've seen him in person. we spent time in the same room as him once. <laughs> uh, I walked past and told him he, he had a really fun movie yeah. and walked to the toilet Yeah, and that was it <laughs> he's also the director of Creep which we've covered before mm-hmm. about the, the train station Creep aptly named and Severance which yep. I, I've not watched in a, a, quite a few years I like to actually go back and revisit that I get mixed up between Severance and Shrooms now Severance is the one with Danny Dyer isn't it? Uh-huh, and Shrooms is the one about mushrooms yeah but does Danny Dyer not also <laughs> take Shrooms as well? Uh, and Severance, I think he does actually. He takes something, doesn't he? He takes a hallucinogenic while he's on the bus before he comes out because he thinks they're all... They, they're going to the woods for like a team building thing, like a paintball stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, right, aye. So that's I keep getting mixed up with the two. But anyway, aye. I said I need to revisit that. And he also directed Detour, which was, I think, both of our highlights of Fright Fest. Yeah, was well, it last, last year? year, yeah. Yep. Although it wasn't a horror film at all, it was still like, a really well put together movie. So, when Jess, played by Melissa George, sets sail on a yacht with a group of friends, she cannot shake the feeling that there is something wrong. Her suspicions are realised when the yacht hits a storm in the Bermuda Triangle and the group is forced to board a passing ocean liner to get to safety. The ship appears deserted, but Jess is convinced she's been on board before. They soon realise they are not alone. Someone is intent on hunting them down one by one. So here's the trailer for Triangle, and we will be right back. You know what I do when I have a bad dream? I close my eyes and I think of something nice. So let's go sailing. Wind's dropped out on us. Get below deck now. Get the life jacket. Thank God. Hello? Where is everybody? You enter a place you have never been. I recognize this corridor. Everything you see, you have seen before. Before. He's dead! 
changed the pattern. We've changed the pattern and not tracked. Who are you? Right, so yeah, it does. It stars uh, Melissa George. Uh, she was also in a movie we've covered, The Amityville Horror, with Abs Reynolds. And it also stars um, <laughs> Liam Hemsworth, who is Chris's brother. Starting to think you're just picking movies that have got handsome, yeah, handsome chiselled men in it. It took you 67 episodes to realise that that's my, my method. <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't just got married all the week there, I would be pretty, pretty convinced that <laughs> there's maybe some. Other sexual demons hiding in that closet of yours? Cover story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so have you, had you seen Triangle before? I have. I've picking seen it, it for this? Yeah, I've seen it twice before, um, picking it for this one. Um, so we, we should say for this movie, this is one of these movies that um, it does have, it, it'll be major spoilers when we talk about it. So if you haven't seen Triangle and you want to see Triangle, um, it's, it was coming in 2009, so what the fuck have you been doing for the last eight, nine years? Anyway, uh, go watch <laughs> it now. Stop this episode and go watch it now. If you are going to watch it but don't really mind if we spoil it, then keep listening. And if you don't give a fuck either way, then keep listening because it should be a good show. So basically, um, she gets, she's getting ready. She's we, we meet Jess and she has got an autistic son, and he and he seems to be quite high on the spectrum where he's he's non-verbal. He can't even communicate. Which we also kind of see that Jess is a single parent, so this would be quite a stressful um, environment and a quite a stressful time. It would be really hard to. Raise a child on your own in the best of times, but let alone one who's got like special needs. So, for people who are actually doing that, then then all all props, you know, to them. Uh, but we see her getting ready to. She's just not having a good time in the morning. But then we see her notice a note on her fridge that says to meet at the dock for um, a certain time. So she goes, and we kind of cut through a couple of scenes. The next thing she's driving towards it. Next thing you know, she's at the dock. I think there's maybe uh-huh. a bit more to it at the start because I feel as if. We're already at the boat, but that is my first note. So, I she 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 finds a note in the fridge, and then someone rings the doorbell, and she goes out, and there's nobody there. That's right. And so it's kind of setting you up that there's something uneasy uh-huh. happening, something weird, and then yeah, basically she's at the boat. So the first time she meets um, the guy by the boat is kind of poor man's Leonardo DiCaprio. First time she meets him by the <laughs> boat, it it makes sense after you've seen it all the way through, but you just kind of think like. She seems kind of spaced out, and uh, Chrissy's brother is like walks past as well. And uh, poor man's Leo says to her, uh, "Is everything okay?" And he's walking past at the same time. And he's like, "No, oh, I don't think so, man." And you're like, "So you know, what's gonna happen? What's up with?" She seems spaced out. Thor's brother kind of says that she doesn't know what, where her son was, um, but then she remembers and says he's at school. Um, she seems as if she's been through a bit of trauma, but you don't really know what at this point. So. Poor man's Leo still invites her on the boat. She agrees to come on the boat uh, with his two his two friends. Uh, her, I think her husband and her wife, or at least a couple, and the wife has brought along um, her friend that she's trying to pair up with. Poor man's Leo. What makes him poor man's Leo? I, I don't see I don't see the resemblance at all. He looked a wee bit like Leonardo DiCaprio to me. That is weird because he doesn't. <laughs> well, that's what I'm calling him. So get used to it. <laughs> Uh, do you think the friends seem really weird? They seem the type of people that the Jess character wouldn't actually be friends with. Obviously, they, then maybe kind of makes sense later. But for the very start, because this was my first watch, right. the Triangle properly, for the very start, I was like, hey, this just seems kind of dreamlike. Like, this doesn't seem to be... These people 
don't seem to be in the same world as Jess. So did you when did they when did he find out who the friends are? Because obviously you've watched it now for this episode. So uh-huh. when um poor man's Leo has just met her, she's a waitress in a cafe or a restaurant, and he goes there and he's and he he's been chatting to her and he kinda of fancies her, so he invited her sailing. That's how so she doesn't know the two the other two people on the boat. She might have met Thor's brother by this point because he recognised her. In fact, we find out at the end of the movie that he um, just kind of knew what she looked like and who she was rather than uh, because, her before. Because I guess Poor Man's Leo kept talking about her. Yeah. Uh, right, to be honest, I, I kind of I missed that because I was just thinking all these people seem like absolute assholes. Yeah. And the Jess one actually seems like because she's got a, a, a kind of autistic son, a single mother, she seems like kind of more more into the real world than the rest of the characters yeah so the friend who was brought the dark haired friend who was brought uh, to bang Leo had never met any of them before except the ginger the uh-huh. ginger wife <laughs> is friends with poor man's Leo through the her, her man and her man uh, who we'll know as white shirt white vest white pants is just is friends <laughs> with Leo and that's just how they kind of all know each other however that couple are horrible people the guy makes yeah. a homophobic joke like straight away at the start when they bring because they bring this uh, this dark headed friend for him uh, without asking him and he'd said what are you doing I told you not to bring anybody I told you don't bring any girls and he's like what well, I, I was I'm going to bring the girls and he says I told you no girls and then as he walks away he says like a joke for us to hear you live alone in a boat with an 18 year old uh, man and you're telling me not to bring the girls maybe he wants to uh, bang or be banged by the 18 year old boy like who are you talking about. <laughs> Thor's brother is Liam Helmsworth meant to be 18 he's, me- he's meant to be 18 in this movie yeah what the fuck do they put in the water in Australia because <laughs> if I looked like that at 18 I'd have fucked myself to death <laughs> that's <Yeah>. fucking amazing <laughs> and then uh, his partner the, the ginger lassie said I'm sorry she's got a retarded son I'm like well fucking hell man bit harsh <laughs> so that's that's the measure of uh, those two characters so where are we um Right, so I basically, my note says here that I think sailing would be both awesome and terrifying at the same time. Why awesome? Um, well, because you go, sailing's good because once you're into the open water, girls automatically sunbathe in the nude. <laughs> and then also you can deep sea fish if you want. <laughs> and why terrifying? Why terrifying? Because women also sunbathe in the nude. <laughs> and I just made it the back <laughs> deep sea fish. <laughs> no, because 99% of the time in movies it goes wrong. Yeah, true. Yeah, and uh, Christopher Walken will take that as well. Is there any oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any movie about a boat that doesn't go wrong? Um, I don't think there is. Any movie about a boat that doesn't go wrong? Yeah. Like at no point in a movie are they on a boat and it doesn't go tits up for them. Exactly. Maybe it is, but I can't I can't actually think. So yeah, that's that was a that was a good point. Yep. Well done, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> right, so they, they get on the boat and they start sailing. Everybody's having a good time. The lassies keep their clothes on. But I think they were just about to sunbathe. But then um, all the wind just disappears. And it goes fully calm and flat, like the Truman Show, like almost instantly out of nowhere. And they're like, all right. It feels very dreamlike again. See, like that movie Life of Pi. Uh-huh. It kind of reminded me of that because it is just flat ocean, horrifically CGI'd. That's my main problem with this yeah. movie. The, the CGI in it is dodgy as fuck, and I don't know if it's deliberate or not, but it's kind of off-putting in a way, especially those scenes, because it just takes you... Well, it doesn't really take you out. It, it makes you think that, right, this is 
they've maybe transcended reality here and they're, they're, they're somewhere else this isn't normal or is it just bad bad special effects as, as you see how the movie progresses i mean that's like you could you could argue that and i wouldn't be surprised if christopher smith would hear you say that and be like uh yeah that's what i meant whether it was whether it was or wasn't it must be because although it's not a big budget i think it's definitely got enough of a budget to tweak that cgi and make it way more lifelike because it is only 2009, it wasn't yeah. that long ago in the scheme of effect. Yeah, and uh, I remember hearing another podcast say that the like the future of effects uh, started from 2004 onwards, so yeah, they should have been doing better in 2009. But it could be used as an actual device to show you that this isn't reality, which if he has done that, very clever. Yeah. If he's not, yeah, just you, just say you have and get away with it. Um, so then in the distance, they spot some CGI clouds forming. So it's a big yep. storm's coming, and it's like a it's you know it's a movie storm that's got to fuck the boat up. So it is a massive, massive storm. And see if that was in real life, I would shite myself and die. Like after my body contracted <laughs> in the inside to expel every piece of feces from inside my body and put it in the outside, my heart would literally just cease to beat. <laughs> I, if I was in that boat, I'd hope that I'd die as well. <laughs> I, I, I just just don't want to be left in a boat covered in your shit. Covered in shit, yeah. And you know I'm going to be wearing wee boat shorts as well, so it's got to come out and fall out all the place, so. <laughs> no pants. That was just nasty. <laughs> but yeah, the big, the big giant CGI Titanic comes and they decide, oh, they see someone. Don't yeah. They see like a, a shadow yeah. watching them from the boat and they decide to get on and Jess is obviously still like, oh man, I don't know where I am, I don't know what's going on. She's been at one of those um, brie parties. It's weird that it's called Brian because I think it could have a way better name. I can't think of cheese. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a better name. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be a pun. Hopefully, we'll think of a better pun before the end of this <laughs> episode. So yeah, now now they're on the boat and they think they've survived the storm because everything's calm again. So they see that the boat's called Aeolus. And I frantically yep. started Googling Aeolus to try and figure out what it means. I thought, but people don't put names and stuff like that in movies without knowing what they mean. I need to find out what this means. And then by the time that I Googled through really weird Greek Wikipedia, they literally explain what they mean about it in the movie. <laughs> and basically, Aeolus was a Greek god that fucked over death. So he was punished to push a rock up a, up a hill to then just watch it roll back down and he had to do that over and over and over again. Which does kind of give away then the whole ending of the film. That's maybe two on because I, I didn't go and read up on it yeah. because I just thought I, I'm not really bored. You wouldn't have known what was happening by this point, no? No. I, I, knew, I knew it messed with time. Right. I knew but after watching Detour and people talking about Triangle, I knew that like, it, it wasn't a linear timeline. Right. But I didn't, obviously I didn't actually know the proper twist, but I'm glad I didn't Google it because that would have gave it away really prematurely. Uh-huh. I think, whereas I, I liked the then, with how well it builds suspense throughout, I liked getting the reveal when I got the reveal. If I'd seen it before, I don't think I would have enjoyed the movie as much, because it would have been just too predictable. Now, I can't remember the first time I watched it, uh, so I can't remember how I felt when it was when it was taking place, but were you confused, you know, when, uh, when they were on the boat and they were searching for the people and they couldn't find the people? Or were you like, did you hit, did you start to work it out, or were you just like, what the fuck is actually going on here? I no, I was kind of, I wasn't confused. It was more that I, I knew it was some sort of 
dream. In my head, it was right. They're all dead, or so, there's some. It's a dream that's happening because it just seems too, too fairy tale. No, not fairy tale. Sorry, too. I keep saying dreamlike, but I dreamlike the way that the big long corridors, much like The Shining, uh-huh. where you've got the long corridors, the fucking really slow camera tracking, like a Stanley Kubrick film. You watch it, and it just kind of sits in the border of reality and dreamlike. That's what I felt. So I, I knew that something was uneasy. I knew there was tension building, but I wasn't really trying to guess it. It was more just right. Let's see where this goes. Or I, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah. So I had already seen it, and now I guess we should. We'll try and. I'm going to try and explain for the the listeners who. Well, if you've seen it, then you know what I'm talking about. If you don't care, then you're. That's why you're still listening. If you don't want it spoiled, then you've obviously stopped listening. So <laughs> you, you fucked it then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, the film loops itself. They go onto the big Titanic boat, and for some reason, as we'll work through the rest of the notes, um, Jess gets it in her head that she needs to, once she kills the other four members, I think, because the girl that, the dark haired girl gets sucked out of the, during the storm and she's already dead. She needs to kill Leo, Thor's brother, uh, the ginger, and uh, white vest, white shirt, white pants. She needs to kill all them, and when she <laughs> kills all them, then it, the, it resets, and this, and the, the upturned, um, boat that they were on the triangle that was their boat the smaller boat starts coming towards the the titanic boat again and then that's when you see that jess is actually the shadow on the boat that they could see from the down the bottom side uh. looking up and jess again is on the wreck titanic so it, it loops but it not only loops it loops on itself so jess can exist in more than one of these realities when they first walk into the boat and they're going around like the long corridors, you say, um, like so the first time round, uh, they hear someone drop keys and, and uh, Thor's brother runs out and picks them up and then Jess is like, no, they're my keys. How, why are they here? Like, this doesn't make any sense. But we see it the second time round that she is, it's actually Jess in the corridor because she's picked them up the first time round when Thor's brother picks them up. She has them for the second lot to come onto the boat. She's got them to drop them in the corridor. So it kind of, it kind of works and kind of doesn't work. I guess when, yeah. when she lay it all out but when they it's either before or just after this they walk into the dining room as a kind of central area for them to kind of meet and then split up and they walk past uh, there's a big mirror feature that I think it's maybe like behind the stage and it, it's several separate elongated mirrors so it's, it is like a big feature but it's filmed in such a way that they all kind of walk in in separate mirrors and move across it kind of gives the impression that they they all walk through that room many times, and if you think mm-hmm. about the loop, then they do they do it a lot a lot of times, and and it's they use mirrors I think uh, in this movie quite a lot, and I've, I've I've got notes for every single time the mirrors are are used and in different ways that they actually use them, uh, so I'll, I'll bring them up as as they go. But one thing I mm-hmm. didn't get, and I don't know if you got, but the first time in the dining room they look at the clock and the clock's twenty stopped at twenty past eight. But all the people we're watching like that, no, I've got like 10 to 11. But Jess has got 20 past 8 and she hides that from them. This is before she's worked out what's going on. Which is another issue I've got, as I'll bring up later on. But the first time they walk into the dining room, it's the food's all fresh and perfect. And then she runs back into the dining room later on and the, the time's still 20 past 8 on that clock, but the food's all rotted as if a lot of time has passed. That wasn't. I didn't understand that uh-huh. part. There's a few bits like that that I don't know if there is logic behind it uh-huh. or if there is, I can't, I, I don't understand it yeah. either. Like, some bits, 
you think, oh, shit, that's quite clever. It, it really connects and it lines up. And then there's other bits you think, right, that works in the movie to make you think, oh, fuck, what? Like, much like Lost, put the polar bear on the island. Everyone questions why the fuck's there a polar bear there. Oh, I hope there's a good reason. And then there's not. And there isn't. It's the, well, they're dead, so who, the, well, let's just put a polar bear in there. It's as if it's been used to create attention and make you feel kind of weird, but they then don't explain it, which is another wee criticism I have. Yeah. Some of the some of those bits are brilliantly used but aren't followed up. Yeah. And it drags it down a wee bit for me. The the clock thing is the Jess you're watching it first, maybe actually Jess take four or five because she already is distant. Well so once I don't know. Like once we realise later on, once we start to see different parts of the movie, we realise we, we I don't think Maybe somebody could sit there and actually work out what Jess is, but I've got a note about that later on, which we'll we'll get to. In fact, yeah, I think I think I've got an answer or my answer for this, but I'll bring it up at the end. Right. Yeah, remind, remind, remember to talk about this bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you would assume that it, this is like supposed to happen in the Bermuda Triangle, or perhaps was where they got the the inspiration or the the idea from. Uh, being the the film called Triangle, the boat called Triangle, and that the Aeolus was from Miami, so that would make sense to sail out into the Bermuda Triangle, which isn't far off the coast, the uh, uh-huh. East Coast America. Um, that's not really. That's just a suggestion. In the synopsis, it does it does say Bermuda oh, Triangle. Does it? I although I although they don't apart from the wee post-it note that says Triangle, which you think's the name of the boat, uh-huh. they don't really mention it in the movie. Yeah. Or if they did, they did, I never noticed it. They, 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 the name of the boat is called Triangle because it's on the side. But they, they, they don't mention the Bermuda Triangle? No, no, no. Point, do they? they don't, no. No. And the, and the only time you really know, you can make an assumption of where they are is because the big boat is from Miami, which it says on their life uh, belts. Aye. I've got a, a note here saying I think Jess isn't worth the trouble. <laughs> I think this is when um, <laughs> she's shouting at uh, poor man's Leo and he's he's really trying to like help her out. It's like, really... <laughs> <laughs> um, and now we at this point we see now I think have we seen Thor's brother come in and try and kill Jess at this point that's just after so they go into a room which is room 237 did you see the reference no I missed that but that's pretty cool I like that because there's a lot of shining references yeah. as if Christopher Smith just like wearing his heart on his sleeve and saying, "By the way, this is this is my version of the shining." Shine, nah, the shining uh, on a boat. See, maybe if I'd noticed, I'm I'm glad you picked up the the corridors about the shining. I was I kind of I didn't think specifically that when I was watching it, but I did. I had a, had a kind of half thought about what are these corridors reminding me of, and then I went back just to like taking it as face value. But if I clocked the two three seven, then yeah, we could have made some really good. I hope you I hope you've got a lot of shining references because it might give. Like for what Christopher Smith thinks that The Shining is and he's put it just in a boat see I've got a few there's the fact that they see the food and it's all fresh and then it's rotten it's much like uh, when Jack Nicholson is down in the bar in The Shining and it's like hallucinations of food and drink uh, as if it is just her breakdown uh-huh. which is slightly like The Shining and the the bloody words written on the mirror is obviously oh, yeah, a yeah. from Red Rum uh-huh. Uh, and Room 237, the tracking shots, and just the general feeling of it. Some of the, the Lincoln wide shots are very Kubrick in the way they're done. And I think, while it is an explanation, that it's meant to just be her breakdown, which it kind of is. So 
Is it just a straight copy of The Shining, but on a boat? Possibly. Possibly. It's like, it's almost like if you watch that documentary on The Shining and like some of the theories they have on it are, are good, some of them are just fucking absolute numpties talking shite. But the whole idea of the hotel and the way it was shot, it's like, yeah, they used the uh, that big kind of uh, hotel in the mountains, wherever it was in America, but the internal shots were not from that hotel and they were set up in a way that it was supposed to confuse you. You know, when they turned like mm-hmm. a left into the guy at the manager's office and he had a window out the back, but like when you look before he went in there, you, there shouldn't be a window in that office kind of thing. And right. some of the corridors they're walking down, you're like, well, that's suppo- where's that supposed to be in the hotel? If you're looking, so even step one getting on that boat, that boat does not look like a cruise liner. That looks like some kind of tanker. And then they've got a uh-huh. theatre and a dining room and these fancy corridors. It doesn't look the same from top decks to uh-huh. going below deck. So that kind of plays with your mind. And um and the fact that the corridors are all seem to be interlinking like a maze, which again is there's a maze in the shining, when they're running the corridors shouldn't really cross over like that, or certainly in the way that we are showing them, it's kinda of think where where are they in particular part of this boat? I don't I can't follow it. Is it meant to just symbolise then? that all the corridors are much like the alternate realities. They're all crisscrossing over each other. And they're endless. Aye. Uh, and which would explain why it's such a big, over-the-top CGI animated ship. Because this, it wouldn't work as well if they just put it on a, a yacht, like Donkey Punch, or like even a, just a normal cruise liner. They've got to make it feel so grandiose and massive. Yeah. Maybe just to illustrate that these corridors are never ending the realities are never ending there's like infinite possibilities uh, and the shining thing the fact that it looks like a, a kind of 50s liner like Titanic like or sorry, uh, the 30s 40s 50s yeah like the the bar downstairs in the shining maybe that's why that's done yeah like the closing new year's party in 1934 aye maybe that's the only reason the liner looks like that again just a, another wee shining reference Absolutely, and then it would also suggest to you that if it if the if the liner has been floating in this time loop since the nineteen thirties, have there been people stuck in this loop before and they've just naturally died because is time still going on for them? But they're just stuck in the loop. But he, like physical time is still going on. Like they loop, you know, how long does that loop take? That loop took what sailing to getting on the boat to all dying. It took maybe two or three years. Would you say? Uh-huh. So you could loop, you know, you, you could loop endless times in a year, but just say you keep looping endless times in a year, you could loop like 10 years. Will you grow 10 years older and then eventually die? And not because of the loop, because of your time has 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 come to an end. And then somebody else will, you know, find themselves in this wee time loop and then loop again, because you would think that that boat at one point would have had to have people on it. But that is only really if you believe that this happens... And like that, this is a time loop that she has just joined, as opposed to this is a time loop that is only in her head or wherever she is now. That these other people aren't actually experiencing this. This is a dream or purgatory or whatever. I think that there's probably there's probably a load of ways you could take it, but. Oh, I, don't I think, think I know where you're going to go with. It. I okay, I think I, I've got you. I, I don't. I don't think that ship's there floating since the thirties or whatever. I think it's that it's all in her head or 
yeah, when we get to Edinburgh, right. wherever she is now. So the, these are people aren't experiencing this. Right. This isn't real. So right, so back to then where we're, where we're at, it's quite brutal. Like that's one thing that yeah, kind of yeah. whether or not it's real or not, or whether or not you there's impact from the actions because it does loop and these people are alive again in like another two or three minutes. The, like it's it's very quick to kill all the characters. Like Thor's brother comes in and says that Jess has tried to kill him. Now we've already explained yeah. to you how like uh, Jess will loop into the secondary characters and she feels like she has to kill them all to get them to loop again because. She needs to try and find a way off the boat to get back to her son. That's that's her main drive to get home to her son. So she uh, she starts to um, try and try and kill. She needs to kill them all. So Thor's brother comes in and he's got a cut to the back of his head. But at this point, if you're watching it for the first time, you don't realise what's going on. But he comes in and tries to strangle her, and she manages to poke the back of his head. Now he just he was stabbed. We find this out later, but he was stabbed in the back of the head by a pipe sticking out the side of the, the wall he was pushed onto it by accident by Jess yeah by Jess yeah and it was actually quite a good scene when you get to later because she is talking to him absolute mental health nonsense like she's fully deluded talking about time loops and talking about she's not the only one that's there there's another one of her running about and he's like right I think that you're maybe not very well but I won't tell anybody just now we'll just deal with this situation we're doing now and she keeps saying no, 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 we need to, you know, save us at whatever and, like, not let, like, us get killed. And she pushes him back against the wall and it's, by accident, pushes him in the back of his head. That soft, spongy bit in the back of your neck, you can all feel it just now. Uh-huh. But don't press it too hard because I heard if you hit that hard enough, you'll knock yourself out. Um, <laughs> so he comes in, tries to strangle it, and she finds this. this is, is that scientifically proven? Yes. Somebody somebody flicked um, a girl that was two years above me in school at the top of the stone steps out in the playground and she was in, just, like, third year at the time and they flicked on the back of the neck and her knees just dropped and she fucking rolled all the way down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> oh man why, why, are we, why, why are we laughing at that <laughs> <laughs> oh no she was fat as hell <laughs> it was like it was like uh, it was like the wee fat boy for hook you know when he rolls himself down the, the gangway that's what, um, that's what it was like <laughs> uh, anyway so I so then when so then when Thor's brother strangling Jess but uh, this point, this is our Jess. This is the first time round Jess. She tries to stop him getting strangled and, and finds the hole in the back of his head and pokes it. Now, he's mm-hmm. just had a wee steel rod in there and he was and he's come off all right, but she pokes it once and he's dead. I don't know if maybe she... Maybe like the steel rod just went straight in like an inexperienced teen, but um, she kind of pushed up the ways like a G-spot finder and tickled his brain. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what you're making part. You're making parts of this sexual that do not need to be sexualized. <laughs> well, she sticks her fingers in the hole. That's that's as sexy as it gets. <laughs> in the back of the boy's head. You're only thinking sexual feelings because it's fucking Liam Helmsworth. Yeah. And you wish you were putting your fingers in his hole. I'd I'd take his big brother first to be honest with you. But to be honest with you, I'd take the bait him. It's a bit roasted. I, I think to be honest, I think the Helmsworth would take you. I think you'd no, I, I, I absolutely one hundred percent. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could just, I could just see. Uh, I don't even want to see see Darren's uh, Photoshop of this spit roast <laughs> Chris and Liam Hemsworth, one in my ass and one in my mouth. Right. Anyway, back to this movie. Um, so then, after that, we we hear gunshots go off and we're running into the. They've they've they found a blood in the middle, like you said, um, saying go to the theater, and they're all kind of split up and they're trying to find the way to the theater and. Uh, we find we come in and we find the the couple the the horrible couple holding poor man's Leo who's been shot who claimed that Jess shot him 
and she's mm-hmm. like fuck talking about and then uh, there's somebody up in the balcony throwing shots down like uh, John Mock's booth and um, they <laughs> and quick, kills him quick like fully kills kills a uh, white shirt white uh, white vest white pants and like one or two shots and then Ginger's like trying to resist but she tries to pull her out and fucking shoots her in the belly and then she's out of the game as well very quick very brutal but the, but the person that's shooting who obviously you find out is the Jess yeah. from Future kind of dressed up like is, Jason for part two yeah exactly that or the, the town that dreaded sundown oh, making yes. a, the bag in the suit on reading some of the reviews of this apparently and I've not seen it this movie is almost a complete copy of a movie called Time Crimes have you seen that? no Never. I tried to find it today and the DVD wasn't available and it's not available on any streaming sites so, does it exist? it does exist uh, I heard podcasts on the stairs talking about it and even people at Fright Fest when they're talking about Christmas Miss old movies they'd said or oh, Triangle it's very much like Time Crimes I think a lot of people have a problem with Triangle because it feels like such a copy right and a lot of them prefer Time Crimes but I need to see it to make up my own opinion but the, the killer or the guy in it looks very much the same from the trailer with a kind of bag over his head and it's quite it's quite eerie looking, especially in this, because as you say, it's fucking brutal. It's quite, it's quite a good foreboding character in a movie, even if you it wasn't horsey. This was just a killer on a boat. It's quite, it does well at actually bringing up fear. Like there's something really off-putting and creepy about it. Yeah, and do you know, and with that as well, the way that it kind of creates fear, I think is certainly the, it's the speed because you know how this is the first time round as well so again if this is the first time you're watching it by this point you're still not fully sure what's going on because the killer right now we find out later that's like a secondary Jess but it's they've got a mask on so you don't know who it is you're just really mm-hmm. confused because the people are confusing Jess with somebody else saying that she shot them or whatever and you're like well how could she because we've been with her or the camera's been with her the whole time but the, the killer comes over the top he's already shot Leo and then he shoots down shoots a uh, white shirt and then he's um, the bullets are coming poof, poof, like three or four times and kills them like mm. that's all your characters dead except Jess and you're like this is already only maybe 15-20 minutes into the film and all my characters are dead it's like yeah. when you've got a, a movie like this and it says it's like a slasher or you know like a kill by numbers they they hunt them or they kill one person they all get away and scarper and then, then they hunt them again and then they find one kill one and then they hunt the rest of them whereas this person this is like this is not just a killer hunting for fun in this movie at this point you're watching. This is somebody that's desperately trying to kill them all. And we find out why this killer is so desperate to kill them all because she needs to reset the loop. And it's just like, you know, pulling no punches, stopping no bullets, man, just get these people dead. And you're basically bang on that. You're bang on halfway through the movie when everybody's dead and yet there's still half a movie to go. Yeah. But the... Obviously, they're, they're all dead, and she runs outside onto the deck, and that is when she's like, she hears the shouts. No, no I tell you, like, she, fight, she fights the mask person first, doesn't she? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. She gets, away from, she gets away from him, and then, is it is that then when it's on the, or the, the mask person's at the edge of the boat, saying, all right, you need to, you, you can hear her voice distantly, kind of shouting, kill me, this is the only way it will reset, kill me. And she pushes... The, the, the masked person overboard and then that's when she sees the boat and it's like it's all starting again yeah but so she she gets um 
she's lying on the deck and Maskface has got a gun to her face and I think she's talking to her so you can't really hear what Maskface is saying it's all mumbled but yeah, that's the point because you're not really supposed to know it's Jess yet um, so we're not supposed to know who Maskface is yet but see when she's pointing the gun at her face Jess then pushes the gun away so Maskface Jess should have known that our Jess would have done that if it yeah. so many times but and she should have just shot her like from far away yeah like for for how fast she shot everybody else she should have shot Jess but then I guess maybe it's hard to shoot yourself I don't know if I knew the other version of me was like an imposter I'd, I'd shoot the fuck out of me I don't think I'd have any qualms about it <laughs> <laughs> so when so after she throws herself mask face off the, the boat we still don't know it was her because the person they were still wearing a mask the, uh-huh. the boat and then she does she walks through the boat uh, the interior of the boat again for a, a short time I think it's maybe in the is it the captain's? Is it the bridge she walks through? And there's a single mirror uh-huh. when she walks past, when she's through, when she's the only one left, she walks past a single mirror, which signifies to me would be like the start of the next loop. Because every mirror she's walked through before when there's been a loop going on, it's been staged mirrors, it's been several, so she walks through and she's either reflected three or four times in the one mirror or later on there's another mirror that I've explained it's a different technique used, but this one is just a single, single mirror. And in fact, it's actually done in such a way that it, it looks like it's not a mirror. It looks as if they've built like a, a like an opposite room, you know, like an opposite set to make it look like a mirror, and got someone to like a stunt double to walk at the same time uh-huh. to to play with your mind because it's to think it's not it's not really a proper reflection. It's like a kind of altered reflection almost. Uh-huh. So I so and then and then she hears them uh, shouting outside. I think. Uh, where are we? No, no. Right. So the first time because again because you don't know that it's a loop yet. Uh, there's a record. Player, plane. Uh-huh. That's what takes her into the, the bridge. Because the record player plane. It's playing like a really kind of haunting tune. Uh-huh. And then she lifts it off and the whole screen kind of skips. Yeah. It, like the, the way the film's edited skips a wee bit. So yeah, that that and the mirrors obviously then signifies the, the loop restart. That's what I was going to say. The jump edits with the record player, is that to explain to morons why the triangle boat with her friends on it has appeared again? Like, Yes. Yeah, definitely. Because you hear people being like, well, why is the boat coming back? I don't get it. Why are they all alive? Why are they here? Time loops. So they had to do the, <laughs> the, the, the jump edits with the jump record player jumping back to the start and starting again to signify the, the loop has, has begun again. So then they're all on board uh, and she's kind of watching them from around the corners and that's where things start tying up. Like she drops the keys or they see her and then you realise that Right, everything that's happened before has happened because there's already been an odd Jess or numerous Jesses beforehand. Yeah, when my first note when I when I when I figured this out was I says, why doesn't she just go down the and out talk to them? Like go down to the bottom of the stairs and talk to them, explain say, look, this is gonna sound really weird, but <laughs> <laughs> But um then I thought it's actually clever written because when we do actually get her to meet someone uh, after we like she's hiding from him as they're walking around the boat. It's, that seems quite clever written, but I'm jumping ahead of myself. That we'll go back to what you were saying there about the. I and then she, I might be skipping through. She then goes into a room and finds loads of bits of paper on the floor, saying, uh, "If they board, kill them all." And then she writes another one, obviously to check like the handwriting. The handwriting, yeah. It, she so she knows it's hard that's been writing them. Then she gets a shotgun and loads up, and she's basically telling herself that hey, I've got a, I've got to kill them all to get out of this time loop that she's found herself on she's got to kill them all and that's when you then realise that she's the bag over the head 
person because she finds kind of old overalls and the shotgun. Yeah, um, the only thing he skipped over was she meets Liam Hemsworth before she goes to writing the writing the more thing, and that's when they have the conversation where she tries to explain what's been happening, but she comes across sounding like an absolute like mental patient and it's written well because it seems real and it seems believable the way the two characters act in that scene obviously until she squishes them onto a pipe and kills them to be fair to Liam Helmsworth see the fact he says on oh, uh, I, I won't tell anyone that you're going a bit mental see if that was me if I was in a boat that nobody else was on and one person was going a bit frantic I'd, I'd push them the fuck overboard just want to preserve myself your loyalties are to poor man's leo and poor man's leo really likes jess and you've you quite like jess as well from what i've been led to believe so far in this movie you have seen how much prick ginger and white shirt white vest white pants are so you would help you maybe be helping her nah i don't know i i think it, at this point see like the wind stopping and then going on that big ship if that had all happened my only loyalty is with myself and if she's going to come and start jabbering pish to me about different time frames and two versions of her, she's getting smacked the fuck overboard. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so you better hope we're never in a time loop because I'll smack you the fuck overboard. Well, I have, I have uh, no loyalty when it comes to situations like this. <laughs> right. So after she pushes him onto the pipe, she then fucks off and she goes, to the, and like you said, she goes and finds all the written notes. She matches the handwriting. She realised that she needs to kill them all. Um, I don't think she's fully worked out why she's to kill them all yet, or does she realise that she has to flip it? Anyway, she picks up the gun, uh-huh. and she looks in a broken mirror this time. And again, so that's yep. reflecting multiple different kind of versions of Jess in this mirror. Uh, again, signaling the time loop, but this one, a broken mirror, will signal a change of character, a decision made down a road that they can't return. So this is her picked up the gun, decided that to get off to end the loop, she needs to kill all these people. And that's that. That's the uh, broken mirrors um, use, I believe. Oh, yeah, that's a good shout. Right. So I think it's interesting to see that so many loops have passed, right? But she keeps doing the same fucking thing. But she doesn't realise she's doing the same thing. So it's only after she does it, and then you realise that that's what's happened at the start of the movie. That that is because it's all on top of each other. I don't think she realises that. Oh shit! If I put the gun close to her she already thinks she's made the change see the fact that she's decided she's got to kill them she she's no grasp that now everything she does is what they've all experienced at the start if that makes sense it doesn't doesn't even make sense to me no because i've got an answer for this this part when we get to the end part right see like when you say oh she surely she knows if she puts the gun to her face she's going to the other dress is going to take it away and fight her I don't think she's grasped that yet because she thinks she's already changed it. Yeah. She doesn't realise that this is an ongoing loop. And, and each, at, each at loop, point. though, is... They're not they're not full mirror images. They are slightly different. Each loop, they you know they don't look like exactly the same every time. Oh, see, I thought they did because some of the scenes coming up where like the the same bodies are in the same place yeah well I thought, but, but but like in that like when i say that it doesn't happen exactly the same but it, it happens the same but not like carbon copy like it's like you've drew a picture and then i've looked at it and then i've put your picture away and then i've drew a picture they right. got to be the picture but they're going to be different do you know what i mean because all the bodies are in this in that particular scene are all in the same place but they're not all do you know what i mean they're not like all one on top of each other which if uh, exact uh, if it's an exact replica 
situation, they would be piled on top of each other, like like identical, whereas they're all just kind of, uh, they've just ended up where they ended up. I've got, I've got an explanation for this at the end as well, right. which kind of, Aye. Let's just keep going through. Right. It. We'll what, this is kind of where I figured out about the loops because the jest that we're watching is it's not a different jest each time. Well, a different jest each time gets on. Yeah, it's a different jest each time because the the jest that comes on with oh, fuck me, man. The jest that we watch is one jest ahead of the first survivors we watch come on the boat. Uh-huh. Because no, yeah. So aye. So the jest that we watch is the jest that comes on with the first survivors we watch. The jest that's already... Then there's two for... Because then there's two jesses on the boat because we see later there's there's two jesses watching so only there's already the shadow jess and there's the white vest jess. But you don't know how long yeah. this has been going at all. You, ne- you never get an answer for how... So you don't ever know what jess you're watching. Aye. But then that, this is exactly the Donnie Darko uh, whatever that other movie episode we done. <laughs> Where it's about time travel and we're so fucking confused and <laughs> this won't make sense to anyone that hasn't seen the movie or isn't currently watching the movie as we talk because uh, our notes are <laughs> our thoughts are all over the place i think we should explain the ending answer it and then go back and explain like how we feel about the notes maybe no i just keep keep going the way we're going i think because i think some right, right, cool. sense as i'm going on right so this is us we're now watching the second Jess, is that how far we got? Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, so she's picked up the gun and now she knows that she's supposed to kill them. So she runs in and finds uh, the, the horrible couple. But she convinces them, this is after uh, poor man's Leo's been shot, she convinces them to come come with. Because because she knows that the masked shooter's going to be up in the balcony, she comes running with the gun and just starts firing back up at her. She convinces the, the couple to come out and she convinces them that she's to be trusted. She then says she gives then she gives him the gun. So that again inspires trust in the fact that she's not like leading it with her death. She's like, I need you to help me. We're on this together. And she runs off to try and help Thor's brother, I believe. And now in this waiting time, we've got masked Jess comes down and takes the mask off and then shouts to the horrible couple, Come with me. Now she comes walking out, she's changed her clothes, she's got blood all over her face. And her personality has completely changed. She is flat as a pancake and just like, no, come come with me if you want to live. And you're like, why are you not questioning that this person is completely different, not to mention came from a completely different direction that she just left about two two minutes ago? Uh-huh. Because at this point, you're seeing both Jesses, aren't you? Yeah. It's cutting between the changed, blood-faced Jess and one who's still struggling to accept what's going on. Yeah, our Jess. Yeah. So... But even even still, would you not? I mean, I guess it's quite unrealistic to expect someone to. If we were standing and you went away, and two minutes later you come in a different door with a different personality and different clothes, I wouldn't think, "Oh fuck me, man! There must be two Liam's running about. What's going on?" I would just be like, "All right, okay, I'll go with you." So maybe <laughs> I suppose it makes sense. But she takes him into her room, and then she just fucking goes to town on him. She slashes um, White Shirt's neck, and then stabs Ginger. And then starts fucking brutally stabbing White Shirt again while Ginger managed to get out the door and kind of run away. 
And this is. And she does it all in the name of love for her son. Yes. And she says, I'm sorry, but I love my son. And you're like, ah, that explains it. And stab fucker. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so she, so Ginger manages to get out and tries to run away. This is when our Jess comes back and she's like, what's happened? What's going on? To which Ginger's like, no, get the fuck away from me. You tried to kill me. Again, uh-huh. she's now changed personality back and changed clothes again. How, why are you not thinking, fuck, maybe something is amiss here? Is it because of the stab wound in your stomach? Aye, somebody's just stabbed fuck out. Yeah, I don't think you really care what they're wearing. <laughs> oh, you'd get different shoes on. <laughs> you, you've been you've been stabbed to fuck, so you're, you're not paying attention to what she's wearing or her personality traits. <laughs> so, Urges kind of follows the ginger. I think her name is Sally. She follows Sally into I've just because I've just realised my next note's got a name in it, so that's <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so uh, Jess follows Ginger Sally into the bridge where she picks up the radio and shouts out a distress call, help me, help me, I've been stabbed or something along those lines. And this is the small kind of parts of time movies that I think are really good because when the storm hit at the start, before the boat was destroyed, um, they heard over the radio the distress call. And they couldn't uh-huh. get through it, and then they couldn't get a repeat uh, performance from it. So this is suggesting that this time loop before the people we watched, this time loop was already happening on the Titanic boat before they even got on it. And uh, yeah. and it's quite good as well, because it explains kind of where that comes from. But then you get a better scene. And this is when Sally's kind of almost at death, and she's crawling away for Jess, and she crawls around the corner to where ultimately she'll die. And this is ultimately where she's died in multiple, multiple, multiple loops because there's just lots of dead Sallys just lying about and it's fucking amazing. It's so gory and dark. Yeah. Like, just a scene where there's literally piles of bodies all look the same, all piled up, all with her cardigan around her because you know then that Jess is going to attempt to help her and keep her warm, which she has done in every other loop previous to this. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a brilliant scene. She's in, yeah, because then uh, Jess takes off her cardigan and she's wearing a white vest under it. It's the white vest theory. But it's kind of like a... The, the sexy white vest final girl. But it's also a kind of off-white vest though, so it kind of makes me think that she's not technically going to survive it because she's a bit, like, you know what I mean? She's not like... So that would suggest to me like she's going to be the final girl, but it's not always not what it seems, which would uh-huh. back to what I think you're going to tell me in a couple of notes' time. <laughs> we'll see yeah um, so yeah when everybody except uh, I keep in my notes I've kept calling her Mel G <laughs> her name is Melissa George yeah. so um, so when everybody except Jess is dead that's when it returns because the first time around when she kills Sackface you think that she needs to kill everybody mm-hmm. but no wait so this is when after she kills Sally she stands up and looks down at the bridge where she sees uh, two other versions of herself killing each other Mm-hmm. In fact, we also see that scene from a different angle, maybe before or after this, isn't it? When she kills, it's like the axe or a crowbar or something. She kills Sackface, chucks Sackface over the edge, and then the two of them watch the triangle boat return again. Yeah. It's like there's so many fucking loops going on in this movie, it's hard to keep up. But then in the end, when it all kind of, or you work out what's going on, I think it is much like the lost thing where a lot of the stuff that we're trying to analyse doesn't actually matter. From my understanding of the film, a lot of the things that go on that you think, why is it happening? How is she watching herself? And then, like, it doesn't really matter. I, I need to give my answer to explain that, but we'll wait. Do, do your notes and then we'll go on to it. It's, my next note is, uh, so it's, I can't remember exactly how it happens, but basically she gets in a fight, I think, with herself again. 
at some point and she gets thrown the, the dress that we watched now gets thrown off the boat and mm-hmm. then she wakes up on the beach which how the fuck does that happen yeah. it doesn't that's not happening if you if anybody who's fell off a boat in deep sea you're not going to wash up on the beach certainly not with fucking breathing that's for sure <laughs> anyway she wakes up on the beach and she gets up dusts herself off and goes away home and he thinks she's safe and I think or uh, at least Ben, she's broke the curse because you know she's made it back to the mainland. And do we, how quickly do we find out that that's not the case? Is it pretty? Pretty much immediately. Yeah, she goes to her house. She looks through the window and sees another version of herself uh, being quite abusive to her son. Yep. Which ties in with the start when she was cleaning up the paint that the boy spilled on the floor, uh, showing that she was having a breakdown. She then realizes that fucking hell, this is. I'm I'm not me. Still, there's still an address. This hasn't stopped, and she rings the doorbell to try and get her away from her son. Which again ties in with the start when somebody rings the doorbell and you don't know who it is, and she gets in the car to go. Or she goes in and speaks to the son, and is telling him that oh it was just a nightmare. Everything that happens a nightmare. She kills yeah she kills a variation of herself in the house. Yeah, and the little autistic boy sees it then the Jess we're watching says no right that was a nightmare you didn't see that packs him up and they go to the yacht or basically they start driving towards the yacht where she's gonna try and replay the loop again yeah no no why I don't know because why is she going to the she's got home her son she's killed a variation of herself so then that's it then surely so, so she's with us. She's with the son, and she's trying to maybe just go away. So she's not driving to the boat. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, right, okay. Aye. So she's driving away. She then she's apologising to him for shouting at him, and she'll never be abusive again. And then she hits a car. And after after she's apologising that she'll never be abusive, doesn't he not screaming like the wee boy with the babadook? And she's like, she's gonna fucking shut up!" And she looks away. Aye. Yeah. <laughs> where she then reveals her true abusive colours. So she then hits a car, it overturns, and this is where you see her lying in the road, much like she's woke up on the beach earlier on in the wee wee kind of nightmare she had, where you can hear, you can hear the sea lapping, but she's face down with her eyes wide open. And do you want to give what you think's happened, or do you want me to go straight into how I think? Well, because... What she does after she kills the dump of herself is she puts herself in a bag and puts herself in the boot. And when the car flips over, it kind of pans across like a, a long shot, like um, panning across the scene. And you see the dead Jess and you see the dead boy, I think. Or you see people mm-hmm. trying to work on the boy at one point. And then you see the other Jess because there's two bodies because obviously she put one in the boot. Jess standing, looking at the wreck. Mm-hmm. And... Um, a guy behind us. I don't know if there's any significance in the guy. I'm trying to figure out how he maybe loops into any it. But he's like, no, I'm just a driver. And she's like, take me to the harbour. So what I think, she was abusive as fuck to her son. Like, the, the wee glimpse she see her screaming and shouting at him is as if she is a very abusive mother. So because she is a bad person, when she dies she is in hell and she's forced to relive her son's death over and over and over. So nothing else really matters because this is all in her, not in her head because she's dead, but this is just for eternity. She will relive her son's death over and over because she, was, she wasn't she was a good person. 
that's the taxi driver I think is basically death he's there to because he just comes out of nowhere and he's quite a creepy uh, looking guy uh, yeah, that's a, but yeah. he's like Let, let's let's go so you're back to the start again he drops her off at the harbour and that's why she's so distant because she's just like right uh, how can I she constantly wants to protect uh, sorry to prevent her son dying but that's the whole point of her punishment that she never can no matter what she does no matter what she tries to do her son will still die and she'll relive it again and again and again for being such a horrible bitch in real life so do you think real world we just start at the start of this movie right Uh, forget the fact that there might have been multiple multiple loops before this because it had to start somewhere so she starts in that morning and she's getting ready to go in this boat trip that she's been invited on because she was supposed to bring her son because poor man's Leo asks where was your son and uh, so she was driving to the boat to go on the trip and she was uh-huh. frustrated at the son and she crashed the car and they both died in the car crash uh-huh. and then that's where her loop starts she feels guilty when she's in the car with him she's apologising to her I'll never shout at you again she feels really guilty she's not paying attention she kills them both so forever now she'll live in a state of guilt maybe she wasn't ab- abusive the whole time but because she's died feeling guilty then that's she'll never overcome that and yeah I think that's where it starts she gets mad at him decides to she's still going to go the boat trip and she dies, and that's it. But in hell, where she has went, the, this is it for eternity. She's just replaying this. So the boat trip doesn't actually happen. And like, and that, that's why a lot of the stuff they're explaining, in my head, it's like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what happens in the boat and the, the loops because it's all just figments of her death imagination. Mm-hmm. What did, what did you think? Well, I think in real life, because she wouldn't have turned up, because she died, they would have just got, all got on the boat together. The storm wouldn't have happened. The two girls would have got naked, and um, Chris Hemsworth's brother would have probably just banged uh, poor man's Leo, and they would have had a fucking great swinging time taking MDMA stuff inside <laughs> three. Which, I mean, that's what most boat parties are all about. So I've heard. Um, I think that that's, you know, see when I was watching it this time around, and I don't know if I've picked that up before what you just said, but it is so obvious, like to take that actual meaning from the end of the film, like with all the time loops and with all the confusion and all the like, what the fuck is actually going on, that story is so simple, it's right there in front of your face, and uh-huh. because see when the car crashes and she's standing up and looking at the car, I and mean, when the guy behind the driver, or de- that's a great analogy, death, like taking her to the start of the loop again, like driving her there, she, there's not a mark on her. And I did notice that, like, she's just been in a massive, massive car crash, and she's not, there's nothing on her, she's just standing looking at it, and she looks kind of, there's like a lack of colour and, like, taken out of her, she looks pale and she looks dead, basically, and um, it's, I think... It's a, it's a soul, it's not yeah. an actual, yeah. a live self. Yeah, because she wasn't, a, there wasn't two of her, there wasn't a dead body in the boot, the, the dead body you see is the one that's been thrown from the car during the crash, along with her son. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's bang on exactly what happened, and that's a good... That makes it better. I think that's where, as well as like old Greek mythology and stuff, where if you're going to the underworld, you've got the guy that crosses the river. I, I don't know what the name is, but it's like all cultures have it, where your body's taken across to where you'll spend eternity. That's what the taxi driver symbolises. 
he's now taken her to the other side. Yeah. And it just so happens that her other side is replaying her son's death over and over and she can't help it. And like she she can't change the outcome of that. Yeah. And the uh, the name of the boat being the Aeolus and the story about how they uh, punished to push a rock up a hill and watch it roll back down again. Like you're not getting anywhere. Every single time you're not getting anywhere different. And you see it, there's a couple of scenes in this when she ends up on a vent and her necklace with her son's face on it gets caught and she drops it and uh-huh. realises there's like a hundred or more necklaces on the bottom of this as if it's this was repeated so many times that she just can't get on top of them. It makes me think that I want to now go back and watch it again to see if at the very start that she, if there's something when she was getting frustrated with her son, did she say a sentence that would suggest like a, a making a deal with like God or the devil? Like, you know, like, oh, I'll do anything for you just to be whatever, you know, like, because they say it, um, uh, the the guy, the Aeolus guy, cheated death or made a deal with death that he didn't keep. Uh-huh. That's what made him get punished or made a deal with the God that didn't keep and that's why death punished him or something along those lines. And I wonder if there's like a wee, um, just even a simple line, that a throwaway sentence that people would say all the time that would explain why she gets ends up getting stuck in this limbo. Uh, there could, there could be. I, I didn't notice it, but I've not actually been back and rewatched that again. The story that she's guilty enough for um, like being nasty to her son because it's not his fault, but she's totally at wit's end that she can't handle it is, is probably enough to to justify the the death yeah. story. Yeah. So that confusing spiel is triangle, which a lot I think it divides a lot of people. A lot of people love it or hate it. I think it tries to be too intelligent and it kind of then makes you, you're basically looking into things that you don't need to look into uh, to try and find answers. It's like, it's a horror on a intelligent psychological level as well as a visceral level with the, the kind of brutal kills and gore scenes. And I think it's a really fun ride. I don't think it's one that you need to overthink again and again once you finish watching it. But it was it's a fun movie to watch and try work out what's going on. And I would give it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I think it's a, a clever story. But for a time-loop movie, there, there's not a lot for the rewatches. It's all kind of in there the first time around, even if I did miss the whole purgatory thing. But um, I think it's well-written and well-acted. And I think even the kind of lesser-known actors hold it very, very well. And I give it um, eight monkey bananas out of ten. Monkey bananas? Yeah. I had eight poor man's Leos, but I realised that I've been calling them poor man's Leos through the whole thing, so it doesn't work. But then I try to think, what can I make? What can I make? What's, what's, uh, can I make it as sexy as possible? And uh, white shirt, white vest, white pants eats a banana for the good food the first time they go on the boat, and then it's monkey bananas after that. <laughs> oh. Nothing nothing says sexy in that, like, monkey bananas. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> Uh, so would you go back and revisit it or do you like you said there do you think it's a, a kind of one time watch and you've experienced it well I think I've watched it now maybe about three times total in my whole life and before but that is watching it like first time in 2009 when it came out maybe even the cinema I don't know if it, or if it was a DVD the first time but so it's not a you know repeat all the time it's a, a movie that for me was um I remember that being really good. I remember that being really clever and really good, like the way it's done. And then you watch it again, and you're like, ah, it was it was all right this time around." But 
Um, so it's it's not for the rewatches, but it is a it is a good movie. That kind of it just pushes an eight for me. I, I like to think that if I had seen time time frames first, maybe then it wouldn't have got such a high rating. But because this is the first one I watched, I don't think it's copied anything. It's just judging by reviews I've read. It's like a it totally has ripped off Time Crimes which apparently is the better movie but I like Creep, I like Severance I like Detour so this is still a really strong movie from Christopher Smith yeah. in my opinion and there's nothing he has that I've watched that I've thought I don't care about what you bring out next um, I'm still anything he brings out I'll still go see whether it's the horror genre, psychological uh, drama whatever I'll still I'll still go and check out whatever it is he's bringing out yep I'm in that same boat uh, so we will be we'll play a clip for a show that you should definitely check out if you're not already checking out and we will be back after this This is the Psychosemantic Podcast. Announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Weapons of class 4 and lower have been authorized for use during the purge. All other weapons are restricted. Government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed. A few days ago, I called the news the enemy of the people. And they are. They are the enemy of the people. We have Ben Jacobs. That's the Guardian reporter. Body slam Living with a six-year-old. I'm not able to uh, be rushed this fast. It makes me nervous. The head is one big pile of shit. Well, then you two learned a very important lesson today. Cops don't help. It's a freak! Now's not the time for fear. That comes later. Can you fly, Bobby? In the 20th century, the Senate voted on seven Supreme Court nominees during election years, and it approved all but one. So just to, just to put a button on this, are you ruling it out 100%? Yeah. Are you crazy? Is that your problem? Politics, movies, political movies, the Psychosemantic Podcast better known as the Psycho Semanticast. He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you. Yep. And cover. Right, so recommendations for me this week. I, again, haven't really watched anything all the way through. I'm in the middle of watching um, a movie called Jungle with Daniel Radcliffe. It's about a true story about uh, some a backpacker, I believe it was maybe the 70s, uh, going through the Bolivian jungle and he gets lost and has to survive on his own it's actually pretty good so far minus Daniel Radcliffe's questionable accent uh, and the other movie that I've started watching but haven't finished is um, Cargo the Martin Freeman Australian zombie movie and it's this the, the first movie that came on the uh, zombie that came on the screen actually scared me so I'm looking forward to finishing it even though somebody in this fucking horror everything group I'm on spoiled it today by writing a really weird backwards bad English comment and i read it till i got to the end and the last thing it says oh yeah right, does anybody remember watching this movie described it and then says oh yeah and the title is cargo i'm like you fucking prick <laughs> <laughs> the 
why are you not? Why are you still in that group? Why have you not left it yet? Because I like to take screenshots of how fucking stupid they are and send them to you guys in the <laughs> the chat between you and podcast under stairs. If anybody that's in here just now listening is in the Hot or Everything group and posts regularly, then uh, I'm sorry if I offend you, but that group is a fucking riot. <laughs> this sounds like your type of purgatory where you'll now spend eternity <laughs> just looking, like reading shit in that group and getting involved in conversations that make you somewhat stupider with everyone Stu- uh, stupider you know what it yeah, is? stupider it's, every single time do you know what it is it's the, the, the people there's, there's there's like 155,000 people and they come from all over all over um, the world and so that you can't blame them some of them for the English not to be not to be perfect and you, some people are maybe really small horror fans some people just start watching movies some people aren't so things like has anybody seen this movie The Texas Chainsaw Massacre I hear it's pretty good you're like fuck's sake and then there's like 600 comments I'm like, how how has anybody got time for this fucking place? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and yet you've still read all six hundred. Yeah, <laughs> just to get annoyed at them. It was the one you sent the other day, the meme that was, uh, would you sleep, stay overnight in a graveyard for $20 billion? <laughs> and, the girl, and the girl was like, yeah, I'll do it for free. Like, $20 billion yeah, I, I think, to sleep in a graveyard? Yeah, I would do a lot more things for a lot less money. <laughs> it's just so stupid, man. Don't, don't try to make it better. I think what you said in the group was there is literally nothing that I wouldn't do for, for far less money than that. It's true. <laughs> Which brings us to the, the section of the show, what would Scott do for what money? Uh, no, it's, it seems like a weird group to be involved in and with how much you hate it, it seems strange that you're still involved. Like it's a kind of self-deprecating thing. You're doing it because you hate yourself. It is. It's like the last podcast in the left group but before they shut that down because I just went to fucking shit as well. See, when you get that many people in the one place, it's it's fucking bonkers. People are horrible. See, in general, see big groups of people, they're unmanageable. It's just a breeding ground for trolls. It is. And that's all it is. <laughs> uh, but funny you should mention Cargo. I hadn't heard about this. I hadn't seen anything about it until... Was it last night or the night before? Yeah, the night before, I think. Uh, you told me you were watching it, and I was like, what? what is Cargo? You thought I was at the bam up yeah. trying to wind you up, but genuinely I hadn't heard it. I hadn't seen a trailer for it. I had no idea it was coming out. Uh, so I watched it today, and no spoilers at all because it's a movie that you should definitely 1 million percent check out uh, and it's still brand new so I'm not going to do a regular thing and spoil the show yet. It's fucking brilliant. It's uh, the way I'm doing the new movies I'm watching, I rate them out of 5, like the Netflix grades, like Podcast Under the Stairs, rather than 10 but I gave it a 4.5 and possibly after a few days reflection I think I'll give it a 5 because I think it's one of those movies that's going to stay with me for a while. You know how last episode we had discussed how your challenge was to find the um, old, was it the old movie that uh, uh-huh. that I loved and that I would I would um, put in like my kind of top 10 or, or things brilliant and I can't remember what the challenge was that I put to you but it should have been to find the zombie movie that you would love because uh, there we go I'm retired. <laughs> no, you, you can't just now make that a challenge <laughs> because I'll just, I'll deny fucking all knowledge and say actually it was shit. Cargo, one star, Pishman, hate zombies. Uh, no, it was, it was a brilliant film. I like Martin Freeman yeah. at the, the the worst of times, no matter what he's in, I still think there's something so charming and likeable about him. And this is, is really, really great. He's, the story is 
it can encapsulates you much like uh, what was that one we watched at Fright Fest? Uh, the the uh, the ravenous, ravenous. Yeah, it, it's a bit like that. That you're just along for the ride. It's and the road. It's very fucking bleak. It's probably what would happen at the end of the world, and you kind of you really fall for the characters. You you really get caught up emotionally and involved in it. And Netflix are, are fucking hit out of the park because it's it is a Netflix original. Yeah. Uh, I think so, yeah. As far as I'm aware. Uh, and also, it's Australian. I don't know if the director was Australian, but it's set in Australia. Uh, there's Australian actors in it. And as always, Australia, fucking 10 out of 10, man. Australia, Australian horror is where it's at because this movie was great. Yeah, if you want to do like a big, bleak, like, wasteland, then Australia's the place to be. Yeah. Uh, it's it really it really was good and I thoroughly enjoyed it so thank you very much for the recommendation even though what you said was I've only watched like 15 minutes of it but I think it's already in my top 10 and as I wittily pointed out that it was in your top 10 before you'd even watched it <laughs> but it's yeah I think I have a very 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 strong feeling that it will creep up in my top 5 at the end of this year Really? Yep. I'm looking forward to go back and finish it, honestly. like It's because I'm at the end of these these long shifts and I'm, I'm shattered, you know, when I come in and it's I watch it in my pad in bed, so, I mean, it's hard to stay awake, so I've purposely switched it off the last two nights because I don't want to, like, sleep through it and wake up at the end of it, so I, I really want to give it my whole attention and I'm looking forward to, like, seeing it through. I'd, watch, I'd go back and watch the whole thing in yeah. the winter rather than don't watch it broken uh-huh. because with stories like that, it's way better to go along for the entire ride than uh, kind of chopping and changing, yeah, jumping in and out. So, yeah, so that's the show. Have you much planned this week? Working like a bitch. Why, 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 why like a bitch, Scott? Do only bitches work? <laughs> um... Uh... Well, no, that yeah. was just re- that was revenge for the Italian thing last week because listening back to last week's episode, I was so bad against the Italians. <laughs> <laughs> you were actually worse, to be honest. But that's we got ourselves into a hole. We dug ourselves back out. So yeah, why work like a bitch, Scott? Do you think only women should work hard? Um, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> you, you call them, you call them women bitches. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the definition of of a dog. Uh, of a dog, wait, 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 a wait, wait, dog. How do we get this fucking hole? <laughs> I think we'll just cut on us. Okay. Uh, it, it's too it's too deep a hole now. Uh, so yeah, working. <laughs> uh, I'm not doing well. I'm working, and that's it. Yeah, life is life is just one continuing continuous work cycle right now. It's pretty shit. It's shit. As always, you can find us online. That's, I keep saying that, and it's like, do you know what I've been listening to last couple of episodes? It was like, you know what I mean? They're like, online. Yeah, online. Online. <laughs> like, what, as if I'm a fucking moron. You can find us at <laughs> scotandliamversuseevil.com. You can find us on Facebook in our Facebook group. So it's facebook.com forward, how do you say it? For, for, forward slash groups forward slash scotland versus evil i think that's right i'm just assuming that's right i've never tried that um you can get us on twitter at scotland versus 
and you can get us on Instagram at Scotland vs. Evil. You can also email us if you want to just say a hello that you listen, but you don't really want to interact with the rest of uh, Facebook, which, to be perfectly honest, I don't blame you. Um, you can email us at scotlandliamversusevil at hotmail.com. Send us a hello, send us a recommendation of movies to watch, send us some fan art or some fan fiction. We're up for it. And let's now watch the group numbers dwindle <laughs> after you just offended every single one. No, I was, I was offending... Um, <laughs> Facebook, you know, that big, massive group, however, and I love our group. Our group's brilliant. Love you all. <laughs> you got yourself at that right, can, Before uh, I dig another one, yeah, come on. The website's just been revamped, so you can find everything on there. Oh, and uh, it looks the absolute a, big, huge, swinging titties, man. <laughs> it's a bit like it acts as a hellmouth because that is where you start off and then you can dive into the perverse world of Scott and Liam versus Evil. We're updating Instagram and stuff more, so we'll be more active on everything. So come say hi, talk to us, give us a rating, give us a review on iTunes, let us know why you're listening, let everyone else know why they should listen. And we'll see you guys next week with my pick. Can I wait? I've got my life in such a mess and I don't know what to do. How can I live in this old world and be in love with two? If I said goodbye to my first true love, my heart would break in two. For I'm halfway still in love with him and half in love with you. Tra la 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 la, triangle, tra la 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 la, triangle, tra la 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 la, triangle. My life's in such a tangle, tra la 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 la, triangle, tra la 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 la, triangle, tra la la la. about you I saw you at the moon